It is the Sunday edition with your host, Paul Spohr, joined as always on Sunday by Jason Collette. Jason, how are you? Yeah, I'm in Philadelphia, although I'm not going to get outside. I, I flew in uh, a short while ago, staying at the airport Marriott, uh, spending the time with a new employee here tomorrow, and then flying right back home. So oh, man. the best way to see Philadelphia in February is to never leave the airport. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, we, are, we are getting... Uh, you know, more and more pitchers and catchers reporting. It, it's kind of getting to be baseball season, but the weather is not cooperating. Obviously, you're in the Northeast, so it's expected. Uh, here in Austin, we're going from like almost 80 yesterday to 35 on Monday. And it's, it's yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I hear you guys ridiculous. are getting some ice here. I hear it's, you guys are getting some ice. Yeah. And it's like, what? You know, and I know that by comparison, I have no room to complain for, you know, you Northeasters and Midwesterners, whatever. But I'm just dealing with my situation, and it sucks. I don't like it. I'm tired of the cold weather. I'm done. I've made it clear on every podcast I've done how much I hate the cold weather. So I'm just a bit annoyed. But, uh, you know, like I said, at least pitchers and catchers are reporting. Guys are showing up. People are talking about new pitches. People are talking about best shape of their life. Big guys saying they're going to steal 50 bases. Small guys saying they're going to hit 20 homers. It's great. It's that time of the year. We do have a little bit of news to cover. It's actually Dodgers-centric, interestingly enough. We're going to start with Zach Greinke. Got a lubrication shot in his elbow. And I think because we are in you know, kind of the, the major news era that we are in with social media uh, and everything, I think folks are pretty concerned about this. But from what I gather, there's no real reason to be. Are, are you worried here? Yeah, it sounds like he's had this done at least one other time before. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, if he got to it last time, I think I remember freaking out about it a little last time and nothing happened out of it. So I'm just going to say that nothing's going to happen out of it again. Exactly. I think I think that's kind of where I am. So I would temper uh, you know, or tamp down any any worries that I had about it if you saw it and, and initially freaked out or even moved him down any spots. I, I would say just leave him where he is. I, I don't see this as a big issue. So, you know, he's the tin man, apparently. Uh, he doesn't have... The, enough oil so he had to get a little lubricating shot on the old elbow and if it helps him pitch the way he did last year then by all means exactly see he even his last name even makes it sound like a squeaky elbow that's perfect um other news interestingly enough maybe hey maybe they're worried just in case something happens so they went out and got the model of health known as brandon beachy now obviously this has no bearing on the Granky thing. It's just, and I, it's just, you know, them getting some more depth uh, of a once solid arm, albeit for a short period of time, who's now had two Tommy Johns. This doesn't change my status, you know, in terms of still not drafting him in any format, really, unless there's like some 20, 20 man reserve roster or something. But otherwise, uh, what's your outlook on Beachy? Um, I saw something that they may be they may be acquiring because there's there's kind of rumblings that the Dodgers may be moving a pitcher. Oh, okay. Uh, but you know, Beachy is 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 the kind of insurance that you get in your mail. You look at it, but like, hey, that's a nice offer. Let me go ahead and call it. Oh, it's thirty days free, no trials. Sure, because that's about as many days as he's going to last before he gets that's hurt. Funny. I like that. That's, that's all, really all I could say about it. I mean, they got Brandon McCarthy, Brett Anderson. And uh, Brandon Beachy here, you know, like I said, n- none of those are the models of health, but uh, any of them could pop in, in the positive way and be really, really good. And we'll talk about the other two a bit uh, as we finish our uh, NLS team previews. Uh, the other, th- that's it really for news. There's there's little bits, pieces here and there that we could kind of overreact to, but I don't really, honestly, I just don't want to get into them because they're not special. They're not, they're not useful. One thing that I think is useful is something that you've been doing now for a while, uh, keeping track of new pitches. I know you did it uh, full time last year, shared it for everybody, so that that was huge. I don't know if it's something you've been doing kind of solo for years before that, but you were just tabulating 
everything or every time you know we heard that somebody was throwing a new pitch and and you posted it on the web. Right now it's currently up on Roto Junkie, the message board, and I'll include a link to it. And you include the article or the t- tweet or the tidbit that uh, you saw that justified putting the n- news on there. And we're going to talk about a few of them. It looks like right now you got about uh, I, I'd ball that and I'd say about 15, 16. Some of them are from you know, low-level guys, even good prospects, you know, like Jose Barrios, great, but it's not going to be a huge impact this year, probably. Uh, others are from guys that, you know, they're not going to really matter that much unless they, the pitch is, I guess, an 80-grade pitch, Jordan Lyles. But there are some from guys who really do matter. And the first one I want to ask you about and, and kind of how you think it's going to affect this guy is Lance Lynn looking like he's working on a changeup that is, quote, going to be a force. What do you think here? Yeah, I mean, with with him, it, 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 he needs the help against lefties. You look at his numbers against lefties, and they've gotten progressively better. Over, if we just look at batting average over the past three seasons, 272, 259, 244. So he's making some nice progress there against lefties. But if we do it overall, if we look at his overall righty-lefty split, there's a difference. I mean, versus righties, he holds him to a 236, strikes out 27%. Walks 5% versus lefties, 256, 19% strikeout rate, and a 13% walk rate. Because pretty much what he does against lefties is throws throws it to the outside. If we think a lot like Nady Evaldi, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to come inside because he's got nothing to come inside with. So he kind of tries to spot his fastball and, and live out there with that and just work away, away, away and hope to miss the, you know, get the weak part of the bat. And when he makes mistakes in is when he gets raked. But I mean, guys are, are still able to take him the other way. He just, he just, needs another pitch he's been effective i mean when you look at a 697 ops that's a nice big gain from the the two years ago when he was complete garbage against lefties so he's made progress with what he's had but there's still room for improvement. If he gets that the same thing we've talked about with the Evaldi, you know, and, and Eno's talked about, it, if you can get that over the top curveball, and his kind of gets there at times. But if he can get that that third pitch to give lefty something else to think about, it, that's a nice thing because he, he's primarily fastball. You look at, you know, you look at percentages of the pitches he's thrown. He's thrown roughly 4750 against uh, pitches against lefties, and 3600 of those have been fastballs. So that and that's it. He's living off that fastball just to get anything off speed. The curveball is one thing, but just get that changeup going. That'd be a real nice weapon. It really would. Last year he was a full 80% fastball against both sides of the plate, and obviously it worked. You know, he had a what a sub three ERA. Probably didn't necessarily quote unquote deserve it when you kind of look at the base skills. They weren't too much different from the year before when he had a, a 3.97. Both years, the fielding independent pitching says closer to like a, a low mid threes, 328 and 335 the last two years respectively for Lance Lynn. So uh, that's something to monitor because I'm a little uh, skeptical on his current draft price because the, the the 274 ERA is being incorporated. But if he's got a weapon to kind of back that up and, and he can at least be in that in that low mid threes with his ERA and the strikeouts and kind of the workhorse innings, then Lance Lynn's someone I'm li- I like a lot. So I'm going to keep an eye on that one. Next up is uh, a guy you mentioned. I'm going to flip the order here on you because you mentioned a guy already. Nathan Eovaldi, obviously eternally working on change-ups uh, of some sort. He knows he needs to get something. I think the Yankees do too. I think that maybe the Yankees are a bit underrated with regards to the fact that they can, they've got a good system in place to help pitchers. You know, look what, I think it's Larry Rothschild who is the uh, pitching coach, if I'm correct. And, you know, look what they did with Brandon McCarthy last year. I'm eager to see what they can do with the Evaldi. How do you feel about uh, what's happening with him? We mentioned that he does have the curveball that can work, but he does, it would, I would just feel so much more comfortable about this guy who I love if Evaldi had a changeup. Yeah, and with going to Yankee Stadium, it's it's more of an imperative for him to get this issue against lefties solved. I mean, we talk about historical numbers against lefties, 292 batting average against, 421 slugging percentage against, strikeout rate drops, walk rate kind of the same, but he's the same thing. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just going to work away, away, away from lefties uh, and, and hope I don't miss out over the plate. But with that short porch, he needs something to go the other way or be able to effectively work in and out. He's got the fastball to work in. I would like to see him do that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, If they could do something with him here, maybe a cutter, something he could cut in and get on the hands of guys. I wouldn't, for him, I wouldn't try to throw a cutter 
cutter on away because I mean, if you try to throw a cutter away and miss, it's a flat slider right over, over the plate. Exactly. That's going to get crushed. You throw the cutter in and it misses. Worst thing is going to happen. The guy's on first base rather than circling the bases. Yep, yep, yeah. You rather ding a guy and, and maybe even back him off the plate for the next at bat, give him first base, than then like you said, kind of lay that. Or, or tee that one up over there, over the heart of the plate. So Eovaldi's still a guy I'm very interested in. Again, I'm going to monitor this one very closely, uh, you know, and we'll update if, we, if we're able to catch, you know, Yankees shouldn't be tough to catch on um, MLB Network. They'll be shown even, you know, uh, ESPN doesn't do many games, but you can bet that of the handful of spring training games they're going to do, at least 82% of them will be Yankee games. Yeah, we kind of have to watch those because if you think back to you know, the Brooks baseball data, doesn't that's not in every spring training park. I believe Especially it's in, in all the Arizona ones. Yeah. yeah, I think it's in all the Arizona ones, but it's not in all the Florida ones. You think about Kissimmee, it's an older park that I don't believe it's at for the Astros. Uh, you know, Tampa, I'm sure, would probably have it. It's one of the newer ones there, so maybe the Yankees do have it, but it's really hit and miss in Florida where it's it's almost at every Arizona park because of the work of the Arizona Fall League. Exactly. So uh, for you guys that have the Grapefruit League that you want to monitor, you really got to try to catch the game. And, you know, Jason and I have beat the drum for years about don't get crazy about spring training stats, but that doesn't mean that all of spring training is useless. Whenever I say that phrase, I'm speaking specifically of stats, that spring training stats are useless. But we call it the Mike Moustakas rule. Exactly. But there are things that can be gleaned from kind of watching the games and knowing the news and knowing what to look for. Um, and then the last guy that we're going to talk about is a guy who had a big breakout season last year, but is also kind of uh, overly reliant on a particular pitch. And that's Tyson Ross working on a split change. Anything that can kind of get him to use that slider a little bit less, not because the slider's bad, it's actually amazing, but because I don't want his, his arm to explode. And, and the workload that he puts on it with a 40% slider usage it is problematic. So I re would really be interested in seeing him, uh, Tyson Ross, develop a split change. What do you know about this and, and how do you feel about it? Exactly. I mean, just get the pressure off with, with the, so many breaking balls. I mean, his splits, they're not terrible. Uh, you know, he does do much better against righties because of that slider, but his numbers against lefties aren't bad uh, for him. And, and the park, I think one of the things with the splitter in play, that's going to lead to a lot of fly balls. And we really need to see how that outfield defense is going to play. I mean, Justin Upton, Matt Kemp, uh, and Will Myers, we really don't know how that trio is going to function as an outfield. I, at, at best, let's hope it's league average. But, you know, if you saw Will Myers play every day like I did last year, um, you know, you honestly don't know what you're going to get on, on from fly ball to fly ball with him. Uh, you know, Upton and, and Kemp, we know what's there. But so I think that'll help, obviously, with Petco. But I just want to see him. So he's not throwing so many sliders because, you know, this was a guy that you were on and, and I was pessimistic about because I'm like, man, that delivery just is not going to last. I, I didn't like the way I saw him pitch uh, with Oakland, but he is pretty much fastball slider and that's it. That, that third pitch is necessary. The changeup he's tried. Um, it's been crap. If you look at Garbage. his numbers, the, the, it's been absolute crap. So he needs that third pitch for, for his shelf life. Yeah, I just I, I really want to see this develop for Tyson Ross because he can be special at that point. He's he's got kind of the the, the two pieces in place, the foundation, if you will, and and you know he showed he can be pretty much elite with it. But in terms of the staying power, uh, it's not going to be there if he doesn't have something else that he can go to. Or and 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 Tyson Ross has already dealt with previous injury history too, so it's not like it would be new. It would just be more. So uh, I'll be following those three for sure. And we'll, we'll continue to update this. Uh, you know, every time that you add a couple guys, uh, we'll, we'll make this a regular segment as long as uh, there are some every week. Otherwise, we'll make it maybe every two weeks. But I know a lot of guys tried. There were a ton last year. Did you do any follow-up in terms of how they worked after you uh, wrote them down in March and then see how they did in, in spring, or, uh, throughout the season? I actually did. I did a piece over at Rotographs. Uh, if, so if you go back and look uh, late August, I think, okay. I went ahead and looked back and said, okay, these are all the guys that talked about throwing a new pitch. These are the guys that actually did it. And let's see, you know, let's look at the improvements. So there's a piece, if you go back and look at Rotographs about um, yeah, the, the original piece I wrote in March, it was called Best Shape of, Best Shape of Your Life 
Best Shape 2.0, and it was about the new pitch. And I interviewed Jensen Lewis and Josh uh, uh, Josh Zied of, of your Tigers now. Uh, oh, so yeah. I interviewed those two guys, uh, and they talked about everything. And then I listed everybody that did it, and I came back in late August uh, because I didn't want to wait until the end of the season. I said, okay, we've got enough data now. Let's go ahead and look and see how these guys did, which is why I track it. I mean, I saw, of all places, I saw an article this week in Maxim Magazine. Because every day I do, a, I do a search for new pitch just try to see because it, it on Twitter doesn't always show up when they do us when somebody writes a story about a new pitch they don't always tweet hey uh, Justin Verlander is working on a new pitch exactly. it'd be like Justin Verlander is trying to improve so I had to have a Google alert but I go ahead and search in the mornings and then there was a story in Maxim saying oh new pitches don't mean anything I'm like and then if you look in the front of baseball uh, forecaster it talks about a few years ago there were five pitchers and three of them improved and two of them didn't. I looked at 25 pitchers, and there were some guys that really did improve. I mean, I think I think it's something. I don't think it's like it's not a, a lockdown theory. But you look at some of the guys that made the major strides last year. Jake Odorizzi with that so with that split changeup made huge strides last year uh, with his with his strikeout stuff. You look at you know Doolittle talked about all the stuff he wanted to do, and he had a big year. McGee had talked about the stuff that he wanted to do. He had a big year, even though it was still mostly fastball, but he did actually use uh, that the other pitch. So there was about 25 or so guys uh, that I tracked, and we saw what happened with Brandon McCarthy in season. You mentioned it earlier when the Yankees gave him back his cutter that the Diamondbacks had taken away from him oh yeah huge change. he was kicking it he kicked ass for them exactly so yeah it, it, it's not some sort of end-all be-all or, or or like a new draft strategy don't don't go out and just draft guys with new pitches it, it's definitely gonna be case by case but it's something to be very interested in because you know when that guy has that missing element and you're saying you know what if he had that third pitch i would draft him as the 40th starter instead of the 70th starter well, you know, a couple years ago, you might not have known if he was working on that new pitch. MLB Network wasn't around. You know, even with the Internet, you're not necessarily going to get an article about it. But now it's all out there because those guys that do the beat work, they got to produce content all the time. So if they got something worthwhile like that to talk about, you know, it's going to be in there. So I found your piece. I will link to it. Uh, everyone can kind of see what the results were like last year with all these guys. There were a ton of guys that made significant changes. And uh, we'll continue to monitor, monitor it this year. Let's go ahead and dive back into the team previews. We're going to finish up the NLS that Eno and I started on Thursday. We've got three teams left. We're going to start with the Dodgers here. Uh, we already talked a bit about them with regard to some of the moves that they've been making and some injury news. They're not even injury. I don't want to say that about uh, Granky, but just the, the lubrication shot. Let's talk about uh, your favorite hitter on this team because it's obviously an interesting group. They got rid of two star potential guys and uh you know now that now they're kind of working with a, an established older crew so there's a lot to pick from but but who do you like best on this club um it's really tough because I, I know who you're gonna where you're gonna lean so i'm gonna avoid that one. Oh, um, you think i'm gonna go straight obvious okay i guess i will no i think you're gonna go straight obvious with with catcher but so mm. i'll go with a guy we've both talked about okay. you know adrian gonzalez just okay. the fact that he just doesn't seem to get enough love for his consistency Agreed. and i'll take adrian gonzalez all day long I, I completely agree. I don't understand it. I just what, – what more do you really want out of a guy? And I know it's not flashy, but every pick doesn't really have to be special and flashy. Gonzalez is about as consistent as they get. He had the one – you know, I, I even hesitate to call it down year because that's absurd. But because he only hit 18 homers that one year in 2012 uh, with Boston and L.A., the split year – it's seen as a down year, but he went 18-108 with a 2.99 average, and I know he scored only 75 runs, but you know some of that's not his fault. Uh, he was getting onto the 3.44 clip, which was still good, even though it was down from where he's from. I just always love Gonzalez. I think he's as you know about as consistent as it gets. It, it's hard to find a stable guy that you can really buy into. It seems every time a guy starts to look like a stable bet, he has that year that throws him off the track, and maybe Gonzalez will because he's getting older. But for now, at the price. I'll take him, and we did in labor, so I'm with Jan Gonzalez. My guy is going to be Yasmani Grandal. I was actually going to go Gonzalez. I thought that was the oh, really? <laughs> obvious route that you had me going. But, uh, yeah, I will take Grandal. 
and uh, you know it, he was going to be one of the questions too. So I'm, I'll ask you after I talk about him if you're going to even be buying into the breakout. But I think this is a guy that that does have some really nice breakout potential. I think some folks seem to still be mad at him for the uh, for the PED suspension because they think that everything he did prior to that was now fraudulent. And I, I just I don't really see it that way. He had something of kind of a mini breakout last year when you consider 15 homers, but he did only hit 225. Um, I love Grandal and OBP league because you know even if the batting average doesn't come up which I expect it to but even if it, it kind of lingers in the uh, you know 240s area he's still going to probably have about a 340 350 on base he's really good at taking walks I think Grandal uh, in a better park it's not a great hitters park but it is a better park and in this lineup I think he could be a force I'm really excited for him this year and I know that it's kind of a mix there there are some folks who are just as high on him as I am there are other folks who are completely off of him so his price can vary but are you buying into a breakout for Yasmani Grandal in 2015. Yeah, I am, especially at the catcher position, which is yeah you know, not exactly deep, and there's a lot of question marks there. I think he's one of the uh, the safer plays. I, honestly, my concern with the Dodgers is really in their bullpen. Where yeah. do they go? I mean, with, with Kenley Jansen having foot surgery, and let's say let's just say he's going to miss a few weeks in April. Um, Joel Peralta has already has a sore shoulder. I mean, the guy th- was Joe Madden's rented mule for the last, uh, you know, four seasons. I'm surprised. And then I, I actually was talking on Twitter today about it uh, with uh, the guys from uh, one of the Dodgers blogs. And then Chris Rodriguez jumped in and said he talked to a scout who said that Peralta's shoulder, never, you know, he always held up because he always pitched and scar tissue never had the opportunity to build up. And I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting theory. Interesting. But you know, where do you go at the closer? You're let's, you're drafting tomorrow in an NL only league. What do you do if you're looking to spit a uh, spit on saves and say, okay, Boy, who do I take? If I had to, you know, I know roster resource has league slotted in there. I wouldn't even bother with that. I'd go I'd go the super spec route, and I'd say um, I, I agree with some of the Juan Nicasio buzz that has been thrown out there, and mm-hmm. I might go back to a guy that I I used to you know I, I really liked, and he kind of fell off and. He's not a perfect candidate because I actually think he he is uh, does have a platoon split, but I like Paco Rodriguez. And uh, yeah, I'm looking now. He, he hasn't been he's been great against lefties and kind of meh against righties, but not obscene against righties. Not to the point where he can't do it. He had a, a really strong 2013 and then kind of fell back a little bit uh, last year, at least with the strikeout rate. Everything else was, was still pretty good. That's a guy I've always liked. Um, always liked. He hasn't been around that long. But I, I, I like Paco Rodriguez, a guy that they took for his high ceiling, got him up to the majors his first, in his draft year. He was drafted in 2012. He ended up throwing about seven innings for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would speculate with one of those guys as a $1 late guy. I wouldn't necessarily be going for the quote-unquote obvious, which right now seems to be League and Peralta. I just I don't. I don't really want either of them. I don't think, uh, I don't think they'd get the job done terribly uh, well. And don't forget the Dodgers also just inked uh, Dustin McGowan. Yes, I was. Um, I, I, I meant to put that one on there. We were Dodger heavy news there. They're 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 owning the uh, the, the sidebar there of all, all the major uh, news sites, whether it's Roto Wire, Roto Roto World. Uh, you know the the real bummer, and I mentioned this to to Eno when we talked about Jansen's injury, uh, is that Chris Withrow is hurt because I think he'd be a yeah. perfect perfect guy to go in there and at least take a shot at it. He's got some really devastating stuff. Uh, he doesn't command it all that well, at least ha- hasn't recently. But, you know, if they could iron that out, that could be an option. But th- that's purely hypothetical because he didn't even have his Tommy John until January, or January, June. So, you know, he's looking at, you know, late June, all-star break, kind of return anyway. So Jansen will be back dominating by then. So I don't know. Like I said, Paco or Nicasio for me, and, and it'd be a, a just a one dollar bet, a very last last pick sort of thing. Who who would you bet on? Yeah, I'm going those route. I think one of the things I would caution people about, you know, they may look at a guy like Chris Hatcher only because you know 50 more strikeouts and in innings pitched, a five to one strikeout to walk ratio, and say, hey, maybe this stuff translates. The thing with the thing with Hatcher is he actually has reverse splits. He's a righty that righties hit rather well. Oh, uh, and he's better against he's better against lefties. Now he gets his strikeouts against righties, but he, he, 291 batting average against against righties, 258 against lefties. Uh, that's kind of crazy. The strikeout rate's higher against righties, but that's 
that's not the guy. I, I, I'll be surprised if he is. I know that closers can sometimes come from anywhere. Sure. It's just not coming from there. Yeah, he's gotten some buzz. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that name. I had heard that one thrown around a bit too. So it's wide open. If you do have an early draft and you want to speculate, sure. But if, if, you, if you wait too long and that, that's one of the options left, and you're probably in trouble for saves. I, I would get an established one. And honestly, as Eno and I mentioned, I'll, I'll ask you if you would too. Uh, we'd say we we were saying we'd we'd buy in on Jansen with the discount. Um, are you feeling that way? Or are you worried about this injury being something long term? Uh, no, I, I admit I did mention to somebody uh, the, the problem with the foot thing is yeah, it's tough to keep working on your arm strength if you can't work on your delivery. There's only so much you can do, and then you have to worry. Uh, you know, obviously, it goes all the way back to the old Dizzy Dean thing. If something happens with your foot, you alter something to compensate, yeah. and then all of a sudden something else. So as long as they're uh, very judicious and like, okay, this is when you can start, and let's make sure that he's doing everything the right way and not trying to compensate. Really make sure his strides back where it needs to be as his arm. Slot. I mean, thankfully we have all the technology to make sure that's all in play. And I think, and they should be very cautious with this. There's no need to rush him back for opening day. If he has to open the season on the disabled list, it's not the worst sin in the world. I completely agree. Let's ha- let's ask some questions about this club. I already talked about uh, Grant Dahl. Um, an, an interesting piece that maybe kind of opened the door to trade somebody like a Matt Kemp is Jack, Jack Peterson. And, uh, we're looking at now... He's kind of he's almost getting the Steven Souza treatment from from Pakoda. It's not quite as aggressive, but you know Pakoda is notoriously optimistic, uh, or excuse me, pessimistic, and they've got a, a you know 50% forecast for him that says 19 homers, 18 stolen bases. Now the average is light at 244, but then the OBP is back up at 334. So if you input in that kind of format, that's pretty good. He's got the power speed combo. He had the huge season last year, albeit in a place where you know I could hit 200. Um, so what do you expect from this guy? Is he going to be one of those that's hit, hits, hits the ground running, excuse me, or kind of takes his bumps and bruises and maybe is being a little bit overdrafted? Yeah, his numbers were stupid in the minor leagues, and I think that's what kind of people were, were getting at this. I mean, 54 extra base hits, 33 30, 30. of them being homers, uh, and, and you know, the, obviously the steals and everything. I think you know, what he did in double-A in Chattanooga, 22 home runs, 31 steals, uh, I think – Obviously, we're going to be a lot closer to that. I mean, this is a guy. I think he'll outperform Souza when it's all said and done this year, uh, because you know when you look at, there's a lot to like here with him, and I think he's very bright future. If you're going to move a guy, move a guy like Kemp to create room for him, excited here. Now, is he going to be a 2020 guy in 2014 or 15? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's going to be a double 15-15 guy mm-hmm. and hit like 260. Uh, again, 251 league average. I think he has the potential to hit above league average. But am I ready to take him as a top 150 player? No. Yeah, I, I definitely think that this is a guy who, you know, probably needs to have the aggression of, of his draft pick tamped down a little bit. He's a great player. He's got a great future, but there was an article recently too talking about this. The transition from the majors, uh, from the minors to the majors, is is more difficult these days. And I think part of that is the strike zone and mm-hmm. how tough it can be. And this is a guy who kind of thrives on taking the walks. A hundred last year, a hundred and six two years ago. And if he doesn't get the calls that he's normally expecting, that he was getting in the minors, that could really cut into his production. So I, I think I think we'll see a, a transition there. There's going to be bumps and bruises. I would definitely take him. Keeper League especially, but only at the right price. And I, I guess that's kind of an obvious thing to say. But what I mean to really say is that not the price that he's currently going at. I, I'm not, I don't want to pay that right now. I would either want it to come down, but I doubt it's going to. Because if he does anything in the Cactus League, it's only going to send that price sure. sky high. Well, here's the price he's going at. He's going before A.J. Pollock, Lorenzo nope. Cain, Chris nope. Davis, Avisel Garcia, Adam Eaton. I mean, those are the guys that he's going. You, you could maybe make the case with Eaton, but I'm just looking at uh, across all the different ADP sources where he's going, uh, and that's where that's where he is right now. And that's uh, to me, is just, uh, just kind of crazy. Yeah, in a one-year league, it's just, it's just too much for me right now. And, uh, you know, the fantasy community uh, bless our hearts, so we never learn as a group uh, on these young guys. We're always ready to take the next one, even after uh, so many others burn you. But uh, that, that's all right. He'll, he'll probably just be on somebody else's team this year, and then he'll, he'll be kind of disappointing against that expectation, and then he'll be cheaper next year, and that's when you and I will jump in and get the breakout season. Let's talk about Brandon McCarthy because he had 
you know, for all intents and purposes, a really good season last year. Mm-hmm. Even when he was struggling in, in Arizona, he was pitching much better than the results were. It just seemed to be that any mistake he made was a colossal mistake. He never got a break. It's like, right. okay, you laid one over the middle. Instead of getting a, a base hit to center field, it was a grand slam. You know, it was just always the mistakes were exacerbated and, and the good work was minimized. So he goes over to New York. We already mentioned they they bring back the cutter. The skills jump up even more because they were great in Arizona, four four seven strikeout to walk ratio, jump up another level to six point three strikeout to walk ratio. And McCarthy puts up a sub three ERA for ninety innings. The biggest thing about his season, though, regardless of the results, is that he made it two hundred innings. What chances do you put on that happening again? Zero. Okay, uh, that's the right I mean, nine, He's been in the he's been in the major leagues for nine years. And he has thrown more than 170 innings twice, 170.2 in 2011 and 200 last year. And nine years, every other year, it's been one thing or the other, one thing or the other with him. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it. honestly, with a guy like this, to me, it's 24 starts. That's where you're looking at just because of the history. I mean, you can't, you can't escape your history. And the fact that he was able to do this, now, now you know, he was able to do this. Now, I mean, sadly, stupid rules he has to hit, too. It just kind of uh, opens up more opportunity for an injury. As much as they stand up, stand up there and take their bunts, you mean you can get hit with something. It just opens up a little more opportunity. And I know that he, he uh, with the Diamondbacks 2013, 22 starts. I forgot how he got hurt. I think it was shoulder issues there last year, 18 and 14. and never hit the disabled list. But banking on that two years in a row, no, no way. No, thanks. Can't do it either. I just can't. The the you 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 have you have a good shot at getting good work in in the 24 starts. Uh, of course, it's no guarantee though. It's not that he isn't one of those guys that if he's on the field, he's excelling for you. And I'm sure it's related, you know, interrelated with all the injuries. A lot of them shoulder. The the good thing, I guess, is that he isn't coming with a high tax for last year. You know, 67 starter off the board, 262nd pick in NFBC leagues. Now he's going ahead of some guys that I would take ahead of him, namely Kevin Gossman and Chris Tillman, both Orioles guys that I've uh, I've liked for a while. But but nothing really egregious because I can definitely understand taking McCarthy over those two. Tillman is kind of is who he is, and Gossman is a breakout candidate, but he hasn't done it yet. So you know, even the area that he's around. There's nothing egregious about it, Um, but you just have to have a level set expectation that you're not going to get 200 innings. And if by some miracle you do, great, then it's a payoff pick. Yep. All right. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Next up is San Diego. Let's talk. Oh, you know what we didn't do? We we didn't Hmm. talk about our favorite pitchers at at their current cost on the Dodgers. Let's circle back and do that. Who's your favorite pitcher? Oh, I thought we were kind of. Um, when I was looking at the, when I was trying to figure out their bullpen, my favorite pitcher probably would be, um, I guess Hung Jin Ru would be because of getting back to my Adrian Gonzalez angle. I think this guy's, he's not sexy, but he's, he's, uh, consistent and I like him. He's kind of sexy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, (laughs) sorry. I'm so stupid. Um, one thing about him, too, it wasn't a new pitch last year, but the curveball took a massive step forward for him. This was something that he was developing in his first season. He learned it from some clown named Sandy Kaufix or something. I, don't, I never heard of the never guy. Never heard of that guy. Some yeah. old guy who was trolling around their camp teaching him a curveball. And Dude, uh, old guys love to do that, just hang around just, camp and just tell everybody what they know. T- tell them all this stuff. So, uh, And it took a massive step forward. 831 OPS in 2013, down to 469 last year. Ramped up the strikeouts. Doesn't use it a ton. You know, went from, uh, you know, only still logged only 21 strikeouts with it. But it became more of a weapon. And this is a guy that I like, too. Injuries are really the only thing that kind of holds him back. But kind of like his teammate, uh, obviously on a higher level, though, uh, kind of like McCarthy, there isn't a huge price tag associated with him. As the 34th pitcher off the board for what he's done in his two seasons, that's a pretty fair price. Uh, so I'll gladly take that because I actually think there's upside, especially when you look at the fielding independent numbers. He had a 338 last year, but then Hyun Jin Ru had a 262 FIP. So I'm with you on him. I, I really like him. I think that's a good pick. Um, you know, for me... Hmm. We've kind of covered all the guys that I'm interested in, you know, because Grinky and, and Kershaw, they come at, at, at cost. 
we've talked about Kershaw a ton. We drafted him there. So, uh, yeah, we're just, we're going to, we're going to move on. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm not going to force it and tell you that I like Brett Anderson cause he's going to throw 15 innings. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, I, 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 who, who do you give a better shot at throwing 150 innings to McCarthy or Anderson? Oh, McCarthy. But by, by leaps and bounds, right? Yeah. Who do you give? Okay. Who's going to throw more innings, Brett Anderson or anybody on the offense? <laughs> Brett Anderson by a nose. Okay. Justin Turner's not going to get the, the 28 innings that, that Brett Anderson's going to get. Listen, I, I'm, I'm clowning Brett Anderson. I, I almost feel bad for him, though, because that is a guy who I think outside of one season, he has been just really good whenever he's pitching. He's just never pitching. And I don't think there's any reason to kind of believe that he's going to be pitching. Uh, so hopefully he stays healthy, but I wouldn't bank on it. Okay, now let's talk about San Diego. They obviously made a crap ton of moves, a lot of them that I actually really like. I think they've done some really good things. Um, they've added a ton of hitters. Who is your favorite hitter on this team? You know, I don't really have a favorite hitter. Derek Norris may be it because I don't know what they're going to do with this lineup. When you look at this, when you look at this lineup, it is, uh, you know, it's something anybody could end up hitting second. They don't have a true leadoff hitter. Yeah. And, you know, Norris, he gets on base a lot. They're going to need to get somebody on base, and that's not Kemp. You know, Kemp's going to hit third. Upton's probably going to hit fourth. Will Myers is not the guy that you want to have. He doesn't have the strike zone discipline. So where do you look? I If Norris is hitting second, I'm all in on Derek Norris. Uh, yeah, Rossi Resource has him hitting seventh. He should be up there. He really should. They could even go full unconventional route and let him bat lead off. He can take pitches. He can get, you know, he can get that the the full arsenal out of the batter, or excuse me, out of the pitcher in that first go round. A 361 on base last year. He's still got some pop. Uh, you know, maybe you don't love, you would want the pop down uh, a spot there so somebody can be on. But Yanger V. Solarte, I'm not totally sold on him. Cameron Maben was supposed to develop into a guy who could who could be that leadoff, but now he's going to struggle for any playing time. For me, I, I still like a star on that team. I still like Justin Upton because I think folks are really worried about him going to San Diego, and I, I'm not really. I think his power plays everywhere. You know, it's going to be hampered a bit just because that that park will do that, but I don't think it's going to be something that suppresses his power. Um, he can he can hit for power anywhere. Justin Upton is a beast, and so I, I like him. I love the price that uh, Gianella and and Sarah got in the in, in the labor league third third round last pick for Justin Upton. So huge. I don't I don't get the folks that are off the Justin Upton train as if he's been some sort of bust. That doesn't make any sense to me. All right, t- talk to me about the pitchers here because obviously they've always got appeal because they're pitching in san diego but now they've got guys with talent and the appeal of the uh of the ross uh, of the ballpark um i'm always gonna love james shields to death there's nothing wrong with that that's this is and a good thing I, I can't say anything all i'm gonna say is james shields i love you okay that i I fully accept that, obviously. That's somebody that we've been beating the drum for for years now. Obviously, my, my love affair was started because you showed me the way, and I'm glad. I, I skyrocketed him up my rankings once he signed in San Diego. I just kind of had him in limbo there and didn't know what was going to happen. Once he went out there, love it. Uh, for me, it's still Andrew Kastner. I'm still, I'm still there with him. I still see breakout stud, ace-level potential, there are hurdles, you know, he still needs to show that he can stay healthy and he has not shown that. So there, that has to be built in, but I think it is baked into the price pretty nicely. He doesn't come at the cost that you would normally expect for somebody with his talent. 36 starter off the board, 163rd pick in NFBC drafts. That's not, that's not an over overpay, you know, for, for what he can do. Because even last year, he only threw 123 innings but gave you a, a two-and-a-half ERA. I still think the strikeouts are there, too, the capability. He has it. I, I'm, oh, I hope James Shields teaches this guy some stuff and really sends him to that next level. I love Andrew Kashner almost as much as you love James Shields. What, what do you think about <laughs> Cash? Same kind of thing. It's really it's a matter of him staying up on staying on the mound. But I would love for him to get the get the change up and just refine. I like watching that guy pitch. And I just want that that I think there's another step there for him to take. Um, okay, Here, here's a better one than than what I did last time. More innings, Brett Anderson or Brandon Morrow? Oh Jesus! Uh, how about fifty between the two of them? 
So you don't you don't care about Brandon Morrow then? No, I, he's got to go in the bullpen. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, it just I would love to. I think he could really do a good job in the bullpen. But when you look at you know when you look at their other options, what are they going to do? Despagne, you know, that, may, maybe make him the guy. Alex Torres is, is just a reliever you've already used him that much. You the, Don't forget, they also have Josh Johnson on this well, one, who's going to come back during some point of the season. I was going to ask uh, you about the Key, those guys. No, they're, they're, you know, maybe stash, maybe stash in a deep league, but that's really all I can say about those two guys. So, but Johnson or Lube Key then, more, more innings for those two? I think 50 between the two of them. You know, the, honestly, the one dude I like than uh, this, that it, because this team has such a good track record of turning these guys into something, is Brandon Marr. The, you know, the one, the, the guy yes, they got I from Seattle. Him. I love that breaking ball. I really when he face when he's facing righties, it's fun to watch him pitch. Uh, you know, that's a guy that I like. He's always had the the big massive revert, uh, the big massive splits. Uh, when you look at when you look at the, when the guys would stack lineups against them, but you look at the overall numbers lately and that's not the case. I mean, his historical numbers, he's almost dead even, but I just yep. like that breaking ball. No, I, I love him. This is a guy I'm, I'm picking up uh, late in, in deeper leagues as a spec saves guy. And it's not because of Benoit uh, skill wise. It's because of Benoit's age and, and previous health concerns. Now Benoit has stayed healthy since returning uh, after missing all of 2009. You know, he got that three year deal. I think it was uh, from Detroit and everyone. Oh, he had that, that build back year with Tampa Bay got a three-year deal from Detroit and everyone's like, Oh my God, why'd you give this guy three years? It's, it's not very prudent. And it wasn't at the time, but it pr- proved to be just fine. He lasted all three years, pitched brilliantly, got a, you know, had another f- fourth straight year of, of, you know, pretty much a full workload. He was great for them, but he's going to be 37. And so I'm just not certain that he can continue to hold up. And I think somebody like Brandon Marr could come in and dominate, you know, they, they, they loved, developing dominant middle relievers. I think he could be the next in that line there. Um, and even leapfrog somebody like Kevin Quackenbush, who I've also seen go when people try to speculate for saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite pitcher is the guy who's not slotted to be in the rotation just yet, but I think he'll get there. It's still Robbie Erlin. I love this guy. I think he's tailor made for the ballpark. He used to be with Texas. I believe that's who drafted him. That would have been the opposite of tailor made for the ballpark because he's a heavy fly ball guy. I think he's a guy who probably has, four starter talent, but can get three starter like stats because of his home ballpark. Basically, if he could just avoid going to Washington, if you go look back in his game logs, folks, he's taken a trip to Washington each of the last two years and gotten the crap kicked out of him. Like so bad, just massive outings there. If you pull those out, it's his composite numbers through his first, you know, 24 or so starts as a major leaguer would look a lot better. I think this is a guy who can get a decent amount of strikeouts, say between 17 and 19 percent, doesn't walk anybody, good ratios. I like him. I think he should actually be the fifth starter. Works for me. Uh, Let's see here. Okay. Kemper Upton. Uh, Upton. Okay. Um, And are you buying in on Kemp really at all? I mean, after that second half, or are you more worried about the, uh, I think it's what, two arthritic hips? Yes. Uh, yeah, it has kind of where it's really honestly where uh, I'm at with, I'm going to go with the younger guy. And, and, you know, that makes sense. So what? where are you drafting Kemp then? It, or are you not at all? Is this one of those guys who, outside of falling to some obscene level that he would never really fall to, or are you just out on him? I'm I'm kind of out of him. And when you look where he's going, Kemp is going in NFBC. He's going 42nd. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, that's, no. That's steep. He's going before Carlos Gonzalez. And as much as I've been off on Carlos Gonzalez, I'll still take my chances there. Ditto. Ditto. Cespedes, 66. He's going two rounds before Cespedes. I'll take Cespedes all day long. Yeah, 100%. I got Cespedes way up there in my outfield rankings, so uh, no surprise there, I'm sure. Um, what are we going to get from Will Myers? Obviously, you have some pretty up-close experience with this guy watching him play pretty much every game last year. I know that the attitude's a bit of an issue. Uh, all I know is like the first thing when the trade came down, I texted you, and you didn't really care that he was gone. So that told me, oh, okay. Because I think maybe a year ago, if the you know a, a year before, if the trade had happened, coming off of his rookie of the year, you might have been a little bit more miffed. But you were like, eh, okay, this works. So Dude, I was so done with that guy. I know. So done with that guy. Out on him. Oh, it, you know, and when you look at it, it's just a matter of as I think we talked uh, 
maybe it, when uh, Nicholas and I were talking, it's just a matter of uncoachable was the, really the word that came about. And I know, you know, Keith Law said in one of his chats last week, some of this stuff didn't check out. He's, I don't know who he talked to, but I, I talked to people that I know in that scene and uncoachable came up from the three people I talked to. Oh, wow. So, and that's where, that's kind of where things were just a matter of, again, when you have a cost conscious team trading a guy with five years of team control, it it really says something. And to me, when you go back and if you want to go use MLB.com and go watch that video, go watch how pitchers attacked Will Myers. It was the textbook come inside. He tries to pull it, yanks it down the third baseline foul. Throw him junk away, and he just wh- just whiffs at it. Just whiff, whiff, or just lazy fly balls. When he did get it, it just and that's where it was. And it was the same mistakes. It just he just didn't improve. Now, can he change this? Sure, but I mean that's that's kind of where you know where things are. And, and people right now, as ADP in, in these leagues is one and NFBC, he's at one fifty nine right now. So he's at one fifty nine. We talked about Peterson is one ninety eight, Pollock one eighty eight. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of guys, Span, a guy we like, is going a full round later than him. Brandon oh, Moss, geez. a guy you and I both like, are going after Myers. These are all guys that I would take, uh, that I would be taking before Myers. Melky Cabrera, who's going almost a full round before, um, after him. That's another guy that I'd be on. Yeah, And uh, Yeah, I, I just, I'm not looking for a huge bounce back here for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they talk about the guys who've been traded multiple times, is that necessarily a red flag? And I don't think there's anything universal that you can say. I don't think you can look at a guy who's been traded multiple times and automatically say, oh, there's a problem there, Uh, you know, because there are teams that want him too. So although with this one, it appears as that a problem developed, something where they didn't think they were going to be able to get through to him. And so Will Myers was dealt out, you know, at age 24 or going into his age 24 season, like you said, with five years of control left. That's a shocker, especially from a team that wouldn't normally do something like that. Um, on the pitching side, who do you prefer, Kashner or Ross? Um, Ross. And why is that? If I might ask. And I've got no problem with it. I just I'm looking maybe for anyone else would probably ask you on Twitter. So I figure if you can expound maybe six, maybe six out of ten times. Uh, And the fact that he wants to add a splitter, it's kind of the difference maker for me. Plus, he has the full season of dominance. So it it does make sense. You know, as much as I like Kashner, I can go back and look at a near 200 inning season of sub three ERA, a strikeout per inning and, you know, even a usable one two whip uh, because Ross does walk guys, so his whip's always going to be like a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's fair. I've got him very close in the rankings, so it's really a toss-up for me. That's why I wanted to see if you had a firm lean. Uh, anything else about the Padres that you you desperately need to get off of your chest? Uh, no. All right. I, I just I, that's the, really the lineup. It's the lineup that really has me concerned. And and rightfully so because. I, Outside of the pieces that they added, they're not adding them to, to very much. Yonder Alonso, Jed Jerko, uh, Alexia Marista, and Yangerby Solarte. It's a softball. It's a softball team. Is what it really is. Yeah, it, it is. So they're not. They're not, They might not even be done with with moves. They might be smaller moves to kind of supplement. But th- this is not a complete team. I still think that they can contend and, and be in the fight. But I don't. I don't look at it and say they're the team to beat. Not not by a landslide. I think. Uh, right. I think LA is still a good standard deviation away from them all right let's talk some san francisco giants the defending champions obviously i'm talking here about dodgers being the class of the division and the padres on the come i'm sure this giants want to know uh hey what do you think about us well we'll, we'll see you guys t- you guys usually take odd years off so who, who even knows what we're going to get but uh there's some guy there's some worthwhile hitters on this team who do you like best at, at their current pricing Brandon Belt's really the only guy that comes to mind that I'm like, yep, I want him. We wanted him last year, yep. um, and he got hurt because somebody plunked him on the hand. Uh, but that's a guy that I really like, and that's really the only guy that I'm I'm, I'm big on for 2015. Can you see the uh, the the big breakout coming like a like a upper 20s 30 homer type season? As long as he stays healthy, I think he's definitely the 25 plus guy. That that would be just oh, that'd be great. I really love Brandon Belt. I, I want him to do well. Do you think there's a chance that the power can come without the complete sacrifice of his batting average? Because that's kind of what we saw last year before he got hurt is he sold out for the power, which I'll still take. But do you think you can kind of pair the two, maybe 25 homers and a 265 average as opposed to the 240 stuff that we saw last year? Um, 
or or, yeah, do, you, or do you give the average to get the power? I, I'm kind of to the latter. I mean, if he can hit, if he can hit 245 and hit that and hit the power, I'm cool with that. I mean, he had 289 with 17 bombs in 2013. So it's not unrealistic to say he can hit 25, you know, maybe the low 20s, low to mid 20s, and hit 260. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, 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 like I said, that's a guy I like too. Eno and I have spoken about him. I think all three of us are in agreement. So if we're all in a league together and it's an auction, that Brandon Belt bid could get very interesting. I like Brandon Crawford. Um, you know, not not somebody who's necessarily you're going to want to go out and get in all your mixed leagues, especially if they're 10 or 12 team, but pretty much every other format, NL only deeper mixed leagues. I like him as a shortstop. If you really want to wait on the position or at least as a middle infielder, he started to show some pop last year, uh, popping 10 home runs, but also 10 triples, you know, so he had, he had 40 extra base hits with uh, 20 doubles thrown in there. Decent 69 RBIs. I'll take that from 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 a guy like him. Uh, 246 average. Never been much of a batting average guy. 248, 248, 246. Those are his last three seasons. His his three full seasons as a major leaguer. So I'm not sure that there's a lot of growth there. But I think there's actually so, another step for the pop. I think I think you could hit 15 homers. And if you're talking about 15 and 70 from shortstop at his rock bottom nothing cost i'll take it I, I've, I've been a brandon crawford fan and he's one of those guys whose defense is so good that he's always going to be on the field so the reps are always going to be there if, you, if it's just training if he just needs to see major league pitching to get better he's going to get the opportunities because his defense is good what do you think about brandon crawford um that that was really the other guy that i was kind of looking at i'm not as high on him as you are but that would be if you were if you were going to jump and say i'm taking brandon belt before you do i would have said crawford Okay, um, good. So we're, we're in semi-agreement there. Let's talk about pitchers because it's an interesting group. I'm going to make sure that you can't pick Madison Bumgarner either. you got to pick somebody else. Yeah, Petite, I, I mean, honestly, that's it. Petite, the other the guy I would like quasi-consider would be Hunter Strickland because he's you know, a lot of people, the last memory of Hunter Strickland they're going to have good. is him just getting blasted by the Royals. And I think Hunter Strickland's better than that. And that's yeah. like the perfect kind of thing to, I mean, you look at the velocity and what he was doing and then it just, the way he got tomahawked in, in that, in the postseason, I'll take my chance in the NL league. I'll take my chance on him again. So do you think there's a chance that he could take the role from Santiago Casilla? I, I don't think Casilla's got anything to say, Hey, this role's mine. I, I must own it. Yeah. You know, when you look at what's, what, um, what Strickland last year in the minors, 55 strikeouts and four walks and 38 and two thirds. I mean, anybody's wide open that. So that's my guy. I'm going to take Hunter Strickland. I like that. Uh, I'm going to tell you what though. I'm, I'm not as sold on Petit as everybody else. I think that there, there's potential for some trouble there. If he's in the rotation, I just don't see that he can get through the, the lineup a couple times. Even last year, 476 OPS that first time through, jumps to 814 the second time through, and 1155 the third time through. And, and what, what goes up every time? Home mm -hmm. runs. Uh, it's always the home runs. That's what sunk him and almost you know, basically made him a failed prospect in the first place. It's because he couldn't get the home runs under control. And so he needs to be in the short bursts to keep that command. Uh, he has the control. He can put it in the zone all day, but where he wants within the zone is the key or else it's going to be sent back the other way, 425 feet. So I'm a little bit worried on him. I'm actually not drafting him this year because I think a lot of folks are, are, are seeing something bigger than I am. For me it's gonna be matt kane I, I i see a pretty solid bounce back here not not back to where he was before as a sub sub three era guy who can you know be sort of a fringe ace and, and a really good number two for your fantasy team i don't think we're gonna get that but I, I don't think he's a four ERA guy. I think he's a mid threes type with the potential to kind of be in the in that three twenty five to three thirty area. Uh, the strikeouts are fine. The skills have been fine even these last two years when he's been in trouble. The home runs have come back to bite him. But it's almost like there's been an overcorrection because after years of beating his homer to fly ball ratio super low, this year he comes up and it's a fourteen percent. So I think he'll be better than that. I'm looking at him for. Like I said, a mid three ZRA uh, and hopefully another 200 innings. I like Matt Kane. Do you agree or disagree? 
I've always liked I've always liked Kane. That's a guy that I used to be on every year, and then he kind of burned me. Yeah. When I said, "Oh, stick with him. He's gonna, he'll be fine," and then he wasn't fine. So I'm not ready to write him off. Kind of like uh, you know, other guys when when guys have that kind of season, you bring them back, and I think Kane could be had at a discount where previously he wasn't going to come at a discount. No, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people have kind of passed on him now based on these last two seasons, and that's the time to go ahead and pounce. All right, a couple questions about this team. Who's your best oldie bet between Angel Pagan, Nori Aoki, and Casey McGee? Well, um, I don't like McGee at all. And when you, if, you, if you're drafting for speed, Pagan and Aoki's ADP are rather close. They're only 20 apart, so there's really no clear favorite. So it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip, and I, that's how I would describe the two of them. You're drafting them for speed. I think Aoki would steal more. Uh, Pagan's going to have more playing time, thus the rest of his counting stats should be better. Well, he's going to have I more think playing Aoki's time. Gonna steal more. Sorry, he's going to have more playing time opportunity, but not necessarily keep it because he gets hurt more. So I think you, there's the pros and cons for each of them. But he's going to set the table, though. That's really that's when you true. look at the difference. He's going to be a table setter. No, I actually I do like him better, uh, Pagan better from a pure value standpoint because he can deliver more. But if I were betting on who's going to stay healthier, it would be Aoki. But like you said, Pagan at the one slot, Aoki at the seven slot. That definitely changes things. And I'm fully out on McGee too. Sorry, just a lot of a lot of agreement there. Doesn't, uh, but I I can't just pretend that I like Casey McGee. Who's your best oldie bet in the rotation? Tim Hudson or Jake Peavy? You know, I gotta go, Peavy, and I thought he looked—he looked like garbage for the Red Sox before the trade happened. Oh yeah. And then in the second half of the season, he strikes out 19%, which is league average for a starting pitcher. Over 13 starts, held the lead to a 2.39 batting average. So he wasn't garbage. I mean, when that trade happened, I was like, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was and, like, and, and he's and he got it done. But now, is he gonna hold up over the course of a full season? You know, that's where you kind of look at it and say what's going to happen with him because we're talking about a guy who has, you know, last four, it's been the Saber Hagen metrics, 19, 32, 23, 32. So this year, if we're going, if we're going to put our SAT hats on, he's going to make 25, st- he's going to make 25 starts. I almost said 25 stats. 25 uh, we were stats. Talking about Boston. <laughs> yeah, because he's out there in Boston. Um, but I think, I think he's a dollar guy. Which is the best part? I mean, I mean, um, I'd pay more than a dollar, but I think he's only—I think that's all he's really going to cost you in mixed leagues. I, I, I just there's no there's no rush to get him. There's that thick clump uh, of starting pitching uh, that he actually falls outside of. So most people are filling their roster by the time he comes up. The 88th pitcher off the board is not going to cost you a thing. So maybe take a shot and, and see if he can, you know, uh, maybe get another 32. But even for 24 starts, if he can be decent with San Fran, it's a good park he's good in the nl i, I would take a shot on him i i, I like jake pv i've always liked jake pv i just wish he could tone it down a little bit because it seems when when he gets in like a really big game like the playoff games he overamps himself and and he doesn't have the raw stuff to overcome that anymore when he was in san diego he could go out there be crazy with five pounds of dip in his mouth swear at himself on every pitch but his stuff was so good that he's still going to go out and win a cy young these days when he gets off his game and he starts going wild and F-bombing everything, he gets off track. And we saw it in the playoffs. He looked like crap. And we, ADP-wise, you know, when you look at it, some of the names that are right before him, you're, you're, you're look at it, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But then it gets, when you look at some of the other guys, like we talked about Petit and your reservations about Petit, you know, he's going well in front of. Now, Petit's ADP right now is 285. PD's that's five spots. Kyle Hendricks, 293. P- P- the guys in front of PV, Pomeranz, Garza, Burnett, Bauer, Hamill, Alvarez, Hahn, Santana, Peralta, Minor. I mean, for the most part, I'm I'm like, yeah, it's kind of how I would take just about all of those guys over PV, but not not like but yes, somebody, I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer PB, my desk. Yeah. yeah. If if somebody took PV, you wouldn't say, "Oh my God, what a stupid pick." It's just a personal preference thing because, in fact, the the middle tier and then the the third tier of pitching are they're huge clumps, and this is another one. Uh, it, it's that huge clump of guys that are pretty similar when you really shake it all out. If you start talking about what's the upside here, you know, I, I love Jesse Hahn. Great, he could have a breakout, but he's also completely unproven. At least I know if PV's healthy, he's probably going to go out and give me some some solid innings. So. So um, very interesting. 
I think you're going to get him super cheap, and I'd take a, I'd take the flyer. I really would. All right, that's going to wrap up the NL West and this episode here. Jason, um, I know that you're getting more and more psyched. How's draft prep coming along? When do you, um, have, when do you have your first draft uh, or, or your next draft? Obviously, we already had our first one. When do you have your next one that matters? Well, before that, uh, are we just going to push? Did we miss the Rockies and the uh, Diamondbacks? Yeah, sorry. The that, next episode? No, okay. no, that, the, Eno and I did them. Okay, thank you. I haven't listened to Thursdays yet. Sorry, so. this was just the continuation because uh, okay, yeah. yeah, we got going so long we could we couldn't finish the AO or the NOS. We had to break okay. it up. I'm behind a little bit, so yeah, I was like, oh, okay, did we miss something? No, no, don't um, don't worry. No, um, we spent a ton of time talking about the Arizona pitchers, which sounds funny, but believe it or not, there was a lot to talk about. Just very busy. I don't have. I actually don't have another draft for a little bit. Although I did finally find a new home league. Okay, good. I, um, there was a there was a team. The commissioner actually lives in Charlotte, and there's a uh, and they had a it's a 11 team AL only league that drafts live in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, at the end of the month. So I got my team, and, and this isn't I got I got some stuff to work with here. 11 team AL only standard five by five. There's a nine dollar Avila. Okay. There's a twenty nine dollar Abreu. Oh, a one dollar a one dollar Chisenhall, nice. a five dollar Castellanos, Ooh. and then um, on the pitching side a one dollar Brett Cecil, and oh. a uh, a three dollar Drew Smiley. Oh wow, yeah, you did get something to work with. Very nice. There's a thirty four dollar David Price, but he's going. I'm not going to keep that mess. Uh, and then yeah, the rest of the team is hurt. So there's at least some decent building blocks for me to go into a draft with and say, oh yeah, I can work with this. Absolutely. Um, but Hosmer at 25 going back, Beltron at 22 going back. Um, you know those kind of things. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, that that's good though. I knew I know you were looking for one after the move. Home leagues are the best. You know I, I love the live stuff. There's st- still plenty of leagues that I like that I do online that I really enjoy. But there's nothing like getting together and doing a draft or an auction. Here's the thing. So- I, I was hoping we could get one. Uh, going in Charlotte because for you know there's a whole bunch of people uh John Halpin from Fox Sports lives in Charlotte Michael Rathburn uh oh, nice. Wire lives in Charlotte uh, a whole bunch of the the uh, the sporting news folks live there Ryan Fagan and Justin McGuire a whole bunch of people live but it doesn't seem like everybody does football but baseball it's like nobody really knew I kind of asked around like oh yeah no we don't have a league and I'm like I don't want to be the one to st- I don't have the time to start one but yeah. I definitely wanted to join one so it's nice that I was able to grab, uh, you know, these guys actually posted on the baseball HQ board and it was like, Hey, we're looking for an owner in, in North Carolina. I'm like, Oh, Ooh, Perfect. I need one. So yeah, that was a, uh, that was that's, good stuff. That, yeah, that's awesome. We're actually trying to start one in Austin here with a bunch of Austin Twitter folks. I'll have to check the progress on that. I know, I think some of the guys at uh Razzball, project roto we were all talking about that it's like if y'all can set it up i'm definitely in and i got my buddy who will be in i just i'm with i'm with you i don't have the time to uh necessarily set it up but i will be more than happy to play yeah um, live drafts are the i mean they honestly are the best and the I, I do greatest. have and we did we did labor and it was fun you know in chat room and that's one of the things i love about tout wars going up to new york and seeing everybody and we see them again in arizona at the end of the year uh for the most part so it's a nice uh, it's a nice thing to do but especially when you move to a new state have new you know people to talk baseball and do stuff so if i go to minor league games now maybe some of the times i don't go to a minor league game because i don't like going by myself if somebody else is like hey let's go to Asheville. Done. Road trip. Let's go. Uh, you know, if you want to go to a game in Canada, there's a ton of minor league baseball around in my area. So it's one of the things that I uh, uh, I'm looking forward to this year. Well, yeah, I hope you're able to get to some in the, uh, the the job doesn't take up too much time. Um, do you have your next plan out uh, piece planned out for Rotowire or do you not know yet? I just put one out uh, that went out, uh, came out Saturday and looking at some of the you know, you often use. We were talking last Sunday about the, the tax that was on Carlos Carrasco. So mm-hmm. I, I and Derek named the, the piece "Tax Season." Nice. Uh, so we talked about the tax about the tax that's on some of these guys and the tax that's not on some of these guys. And one of the guys that I took in our mock draft uh, in the fantasy four one one, I took Matt Shoemaker in the twenty second round. You look at Matt Shoemaker; he's got he's got a rather high swinging strike rate, a high uh, strikeout strikeout rate minus walk rate. And he fell to the 22nd round. And then I took Drew Hutchinson as my last pitcher. Love I that was, pick, by the way. I, I thought he was already gone. 
Yeah, I no, thought he it was gone two rounds ago. It was between him and Gaussman for me, and it was just I love both. Just did my coin flip, and I was like, okay, Gaussman this time. It would have been Hutch next time, but yeah, I loved that pick and the Shoemaker one too. I, I, no one wants to believe in this guy. I shouldn't say no one, but a lot of folks really don't want to believe in this guy. The stuff was really strong. Like there was legit stuff. That splitty is nuts. And and the, the command that he showed, you know, working that bottom uh, bottom third of the zone, I was really impressed. I think I still think there's something there. And, and like you said, the price tag, there is no tax on him, whereas yeah. the Carlos Carrasco tax is through the roof. You know, it's like a cigarette tax for crying out loud. So, well, and the thing, the note I, the note I sent on the internal uh, list about uh, Shoemaker, he had a swing and strike rate. His swing and strike rate was higher than Alex Cobb and David Price last year, which would blow people away. I bet, I bet, I bet, folks are completely surprised to hear that because they probably think he's a soft tosser who's just not that good. But it, it's not true. You know, well, as look Mike at Gundy I mean, for say. people that are listening to this, for people listening to this and that subscribe to Fan Fangraphs Plus, if you have it, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast because you need to pay the what six ninety nine for the for the Fangraphs cheap. Plus. It's, it's way too cheap. cheap. It's but too go cheap. read the Fangraphs Plus profile on Shoemaker and, and and the point that Carson made about it, which really I'm not going to tell you what it was because I want you to go pay the six ninety nine, uh, so both Paul and I can still get paid. Uh, Paul gets paid more because he works more. But go get, go subscribe to that. But I think the capsule really points out like why some people are, are are being too dismissive of Shoemaker and why there still may be a little bit of upside to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm very interested. And I will also put a link to your Rotowire piece for folks to check out. Um, I believe if they're subscribed over there, they can get also another thing to subscribe to. Listen, I know we're spending all your money tonight, but if you want to win your leagues, you invest a little cash up front and you get the, the mounds of cash later. That's how it goes. All right, Jason, folks can find you on Twitter at Jason Collette. That's two L's, two T's, and an E at the end. They can find me at Sporer. Please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It's called The Sleeper in the Bus. Drop those five stars on there and say some awesome things about us. Jason, we will be back in a week. And then I will be back on Tuesday. I'll talk to you then. How's that? Sounds good, man. Perfect. Take care. So happy together.